And how, how comfortable was it going out on that last leg in the relay? In, I was, in, yeah. was su- <laughs> super <just> chill. chill. <laughs> yeah. I was. Uh, I laughed a bit when he when he changed over to me because it was uh, it was really uh, a crazy moment. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Run-In. We are going to be chatting to Miri Trana Erdem later on in the podcast. She is Danish national team orienteer and we really wanted to get her on to talk about having a home world championships as well as she's a bit of a forest specialist. She's going to be building up to the next forest season um, with the World Cup final in Switzerland in a matter of a couple of weeks time. So wanted to chat to her about all of those kind of things as well. But uh, first of all, Will, how have you been? I, uh, uh, I've i been okay. Yeah, busy with work and recovering from COVID still and um, and a, a bit of a trip to Switzerland in the mountains. So not too bad. Thank you, Catherine. Yeah, yeah that, that, that trip looked quite fun, actually. Um, looked like was, you were doing good. a lot of mountain yeah. running, a couple of races. A lot of mountain running too much mountain running for the fitness that I had so I actually had to I had to rest for quite a few days after coming back uh, but yes yeah, on Old Tracks Mountain Races uh, which is a series of races over the um, uh, from Friday to Sunday in Zermatt in Switzerland uh, I did the short quote fun run as, as <laughs> people call it the active run as it was officially named uh, 19 kilometres I think 1,150 metres of climb um, thoroughly Thoroughly destroyed on the descent by um, Matthew Elkington, my OD <laughs> teammate. Uh, but it was very good. Um, would recommend. Would recommend the races. Very well organised. Very good fun. Um, good competition. Great crowds. There's a 50k, a 30k, a 20k, and then a 25 kilometre extreme, which goes over a glacier. And the oh, need wow. crampons for. Which uh, got slightly snowed. It got snowed off, actually, so they had to do an <laughs> alternate route. Um, which they were changing during the race. So that was just hectic chaos watching that one. But it was, uh, yeah, very good fun. Very good fun. Amazing. Um, let's let's get on to the orienteering. Some, first of all, some sad news from Norway and the Norwegian mm. team. Yes, yeah. Um, Norwegian national runner Alden Heimdall, uh, 25 years old, has sadly passed away um, recently. Uh, representing Norway over the last couple of years, really strong junior runner and ski orienteer as well I think won the ski orienteering world championships yeah. earlier in the year uh, yeah, at the start absolutely. of the year so very sudden um, uh, decline in health so obviously best wishes to his family friends Norwegian orienteering um, it was quite a shocking quite a shocking loss to lose someone at 25 who's such a such a good athlete and will, was obviously really making strides in the sport so condolences to everyone um, um, who was part of uh, Alden's life yeah, absolutely. It looked like he had a lot of potential, so very sad. Mm. But I, we, we talked in the last episode, we did a little bit of a preview about the um, World University Championships. Um, Will, you've been across some of the results and the things from there. How, how did it go for the British team? We, we, had, we had a mixed bag um, for, for the Brits at World Unis. So the Swedes and the Swiss were really quite dominant in, in the races in general. Um, Victor Svensk was winning a lot of them. Um, Katrin Muller of Switzerland as well, um, quite, a, quite a dominant performance in the long. Um, the Brits held their own in this, doing all the time at the moment, the sprint relay. Mm-hmm. Good race, fifth place for the British team there. So I think that was a, that was our best of the week, but it was held in Switzerland. So there's a lot of racing going on in Switzerland at the moment and 
and coming up into next year. So it's good for the chances for the those athletes who are on the junior side, you know, under 25 ranking, uh, uh, they're allowed to go to World University Champs. So a bit of a different team uh, compared to the Jaywalk team and uh, a few people getting their you know, international debut for a couple of years since COVID. So it's quite cool to see um, people going out there and um, I'm racing to uh, obviously a very high level considering the calibre of junior athletes at the moment is so high in every mm-hmm. sport, not just orienteering. Um, so, the, you know, there's people who are competing, who are competing in the European Championship at WOC and everything like that. So fifth place in the sprint relay, I think it's pretty good for the team. I think on the individual side, Fiona Bunn was 12th in the long. Uh, I think that was the best individual race that we had. So obviously continuing a strong performance that she's had over the year. And, um, and yeah, I'm sure those those guys will be looking for uh, opportunities next year at World Champs in, in Switzerland to build from this experience of racing there already. So we'll see what they do. But that's a yeah, mixed bag at World Universities this year. Yeah, absolutely. And the only other kind of real bit of orienteering news right now is, well, it, it won't be news if you're a junior orienteer or if you are family friends of any junior orienteers it's a busy busy schedule in september um we just had peter palmer relays we've got the junior interregionals coming up the jerks they are over in northern ireland and then uh, we've got the junior home internationals happening again uh, towards the start of october so they are going to be up in scotland based in um based actually out of lag and Lear. that's where everyone's going to be staying so i'm looking really forward to take the uh england team up to that one to obviously face up face off against all of the other the other home nations so yeah really really packed quality stuff a lot of the junior orienteers but let's move on then to our main interview of today's uh, episode and it is with the Danish national team runner Miri Trana Erdem. So Miri Trana Erdem, thank you so much for joining us um, on the run-in and we really want to talk to you a lot today about um, obviously a home world championships for you which was incredibly exciting um, a few months ago but before we come on to that we want to try and get to know you a little bit about you and your orienteering. And we like to do this with all of the international orienteers that we get on the podcast. So why don't you start by telling us um, how and when you started orienteering? Yeah, I um, I started uh, orienteering uh, basically 27 years ago, I think. Um, both my parents are orienteer. So I'm uh, one of those uh, classical uh, history of uh, one of those that that couldn't avoid it in the beginning, hated it a bit on Sundays when I'd uh, prefer watching a, uh, yeah, cartoons and stuff uh, with my brothers. But uh, eventually, quite early, I realized that it was uh, the best sport uh, in the world. So uh, I hang on to it. Um, so yeah, I'm from an orienteering family, and then uh, through the years, it got uh, more and more uh, fun and more and more serious. Uh, hand in hand so uh, that's how I I started <laughs> and was there a point when you realized oh hang on I might actually be kind of good at this I I think there was quite many years I was uh, quite bad uh, or uh, I think technically I was uh, good but I was uh, quite a uh, quite a small girl <laughs> when I was little I didn't run as fast as uh, some of the girls who uh, who grew a bit faster uh, so it took some years before I, I physically uh, could could compete, uh, I think, maybe, yeah, until I was uh, 12, 13, maybe. Um, and I think uh, by then I, I started to uh, 
to maybe win a Danish championship and uh, yeah, as we have in in that age already in Denmark um so I think by then I I started to realize that uh, competing was was cool too and uh, I liked it and I wanted to uh, to uh, throw more energy into it yeah that's fair enough there's a, there's a there's a time and it comes to everyone they're like oh yeah i i want to do this more and more and more and you you want to just try and kind of train a bit and, and improve slowly as yeah. well do you have a favorite orienteering discipline do you prefer sprint or forest or do you prefer a middle distance or something like that what's your favorite i think um now i had my uh, my uh, attempt at the sprinting uh, this year uh before that it was uh, for sure more forest um in junior times, it was uh, a mix of everything, but I think mm-hmm. I was always always more uh, into the to the forest uh, part. Uh, yeah, hearing these uh, stories at home that uh, ah, forest orienteering is <laughs> this old classical story uh, that that's the real thing. But I I think I love I love all kinds of distances, but um, I think my my heart beats a bit more, uh, especially for the long distance and for for the forest. But I think my uh, yeah now I I went for sprinting this year and I I really learned to love it too. And uh, especially when you realize that you're not very good at it, you wanna become better. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was a a nice uh, a cool journey to to try and uh, improve there. Um, but uh, but I think. Uh, now I feel super ready for <laughs> getting back into the forest. Yeah. How did you feel, Mary, when they first split the world champs in two? Was was that disappointing or kind of just like ah? I'll, I'll do yeah. It. I. Uh, I think I at the beginning I I thought it was a, uh, yeah a bit strange. I was uh, maybe a bit worried that it would. Um, I think I saw it as either it could uh, sharpen the competition uh, if if everyone started to prioritize uh, it the the specific distances every second year if if everyone decided to do that and maybe it could could push the level up uh, for people really uh, improving and I think uh, for the sprint distance uh, it it sure has been the case that there's a lot of people becoming much better at sprinting um but I think I, in the beginning, I felt it was a bit sad to split this walk, also because the teams would get a bit smaller, the competitions, competition week would get get shorter, so more the like the surrounding stuff would be different. And I think we all uh, like like what has already been or uh, yeah. stuck in stuck in routines <laughs> and I think our engineering is a super conventional sport in that way we, we like how it has always been so now when I, I look back I think it has been um, quite cool and I see I see uh, I see benefits of uh, of this split but I think as an athlete you you need to be super uh, clear on your priorities and the trade-offs that is if you want to aim uh, both for for forest and and sprint, uh, so I think at least I and I think many people learned quite much from from this uh, last year and no first year's um, yeah real split uh, championship uh, how to to uh, handle it in the future and yeah do's and don'ts and stuff like this yeah hopefully it will um, the result would be uh, 
higher level on on all the championship i i hope it will be like that and yeah but i think it it will take some time as well to to see how it should fit in a international calendar with yeah especially this year with the championships being so close and to actually get a, a chance for for really reach your your highest yes. level at both I think it was I think the European champs came as a bit of a shock to some people uh, suddenly to be back yeah. in the forest and so specialized terrain as well right Yeah exactly Um and I I wonder if we if will if you're on the subject of um changes happening in orienteering obviously one of the the things that's going to be coming in is longer running times for the long distance you said it was your your favorite discipline longer running times for the women to be matching with the men what do you think about that Yeah I I think it's cool with the the longer distances, uh, but I also had my concerns that it would maybe kill the competition a bit because uh, we have a runner like Tove who is is so uh, much in her own class uh, physically, so maybe the gaps in uh, would be even bigger. Uh, but now I think uh, it was cool to see at the the European champs that um, that it it actually was was quite uh, close despite the <laughs> the distance being super long <laughs> uh, so i i think it's uh, it's nice to have a, a longer long distance and uh, i think it will also be hopefully something that uh, female runners will will prioritize in their training to to increase the the physical level and and have closer competitions as in the in the men's class where yeah 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 i think it'll take a few years to properly you know uh be in everyone's training routine but i think ultimately it's even though there might be a few bumpy years ahead it's going to be a good thing in the long term do you think yeah yeah i hope so yeah and uh i think it will be a good good challenge uh, for for everyone yeah one more question before we jump on to um world champ stuff what's your the favorite place you've oriented in like the favorite kind of terrain that you've oriented in so far in your in your life oh, i think um i think rauland jaywalk in norway in rauland is uh, still uh, at the very top of my list uh, i was there this this summer too doing reruns of the middle and the long and uh, uh, i was reminded that uh, it's it's amazing up there the marshes the views uh, super super cool and cheering um in uh, in sweden there's a uh, lots of challenging uh, terrains i'm i'm not sure if i have a, a favorite there um and then uh, i think i think um uh, france uh, have many many terrains mm. maybe not a specific uh, specific map there um i like the the cast terrains in slovenia uh, with mm. tricky or cheering and uh, yeah but i think uh, rauland norway is, is still in quite high on this list um, and yeah. you so you re-ran the courses then from the middle and the long distance from jaywalk yeah i did yeah what was that it like was, uh, <laughs> It was it was so cool because then you realize uh like this uh, weird sport that we have that you uh you can stand in the same marsh some random place in Norway uh twice in your life and uh, <laughs> and enjoy it super much both times <laughs> and you almost remember the rocks uh, to the first controls and uh, these stupid things you uh, you fill your memory with but it was uh I was cool. <laughs> 
you could uh, recall the arenas and stuff. It was uh, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, there's something about being back in the location that brings back yeah. those memories that nothing else can do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh. I think as well, like you said, the stupid memories that you have, like yeah. you can just vividly <laughs> picture. Oh, if I'd have gone left of that rock, so that exactly. I could have saved a second. And, uh, so yeah. many things you can. Yeah. Things that, that haunt you just, still. Yeah, they just haunt you to the day. Like, oh, why? Why did I jump that tree? Why didn't I go around it? <laughs> See the person I would have caught. Exactly. Oh. I must say, it was for sure like this. Many, many. Uh, Damn! If I if I knew then what I know now, uh, then uh, <laughs> but that's cool. It's cool to see you uh, you improve and develop. <laughs> that's true, yeah. and that's what makes orienteering orienteering as well. So, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So um, I mean, we ha- we have a lot of a lot of British listeners. Of course, we're we're both Brits. Um, a lot of people on the British team are looking forward to a home world championships coming up in two years' time. You, of course, have just had one. Um, can you? Describe that experience to us of what it was like running on home soil in front of a home crowd. Yeah, I uh, I understand first of all that the that the Great Britain team are looking forward for this because that was uh, an amazing experience and uh, I think uh, also for them seeing how they uh, performed at the World Champs, they have all reasons to look forward for this even more. Now I really have to charm the. The <laughs> the Great Britain listeners. <laughs> no, it was an am- it, <laughs> it was an amazing uh, experience, and I think the whole uh, the whole build up towards it, the excitement, um, the work with the team, all the talks we had, uh, the the year or the years leading up to it, uh, talking about how great it would be. <laughs> that was a big uh, big part of them excitement too like all the expectations and yeah and uh, luckily it was uh, from the organizer side uh, an amazing success so i think all the expect- expectations we we built up to it was uh, completely um how do you say uh, fulfilled or returned yeah or, a bit of yeah. a relief yeah really <laughs> yeah think. exactly yeah I mean, it I've was, said it before on the podcast. I I genuinely think it was one of the the best organised world championships that we've had in orienteering. From from my perspective of of commentating and seeing a little bit of the behind the scenes aspect, it just feels like it was so well organised. And I think a lot of that came from it being delayed those two years. What was what was your personal reaction how, how to to it being delayed? And did it play into your favour? Was it was it actually maybe a good thing for you? Yeah, for sure. I I'm pretty sure that if if it had been in 2020, I I wouldn't have made the team. Um, so for me, it played uh, into favor that it was uh, postponed. And I think um, for the organizers, I think those two years uh, it drained them maybe a bit more. I think a lot of them were super tired, <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe still tired. Uh, but I think that a lot of those small details really. F- fell into to spot and um i don't know if it would have been a different uh, experience um if it had been two years earlier but i i think it was uh, also that it had been postponed two years was made it even more a relief that everything worked so well and the expectations almost got got even higher. <laughs> yeah, so Did it allow great. you, you know, you just like, two years older, two years more experience. That presumably was a big thing for you. 
Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I think I was, I became more clear in my in my choice. Um, I think I did in 2020. I decided that I wanted to to go for it, but I, I don't think that I really did because the whole uh, Corona spring and everything was so uncertain. So, I think it was this. Ah, maybe it will be, maybe it will not be. So I, I think there was none really, no really specific preparation in in that sense in the extent at what as uh, we had this year, um, and then I. I think it made me even more motivated that I I realized okay this is a chance for a, a home home ground championship and I I'd really like to to go um yeah so I think because the whole spring was as it was uh, in 2020 I think uh, it uh, it felt quite far away that there should be a championship on home ground home, on on uh, home ground in um in the summer so I think the the training and the specific preparation uh, was was not at all the same as it was this year yeah yeah definitely and is there a bit of extra pressure that comes with a home world championships and did you feel like you had to deal with that differently compared to a walk somewhere else i think um I think I I personally managed to to turn the pressure or the home ground thing into to not really being a pressure but a super cool thing that would give a lot of energy and be super exciting and so I I don't I didn't have those feelings of home ground pressure in that sense uh, because I just I think I managed to turn it into this will just be like a crazy experience uh, maybe once in a lifetime so I I I didn't really see the point on in being nervous about it it would just be super fun and um and then I think what we talked a lot about in the team was the difference about this year is that you know everyone the mm. start the start the officials you know you see people you know in the quarantine and and they might be eager to talk and you those things like normally you are super anonymous you don't know who is uh, checking you in at the quarantine and here you you know everyone uh, so i think this was a thing we talked about and i think this was also a thing that uh, maybe affected me more uh because you yeah it's, it's you just uh, want to chat to everybody exactly and they want to wish you well <laughs> and you're like no leave me alone <laughs> exactly how's the wife and how's the dog and uh, yeah. so it, you had to uh to fight to stay in your bubble in the, those quarantines um yeah yeah well it sounds like any sports psychologist i guess would be like yes mary you've done the right thing like turning the the pressure into excitement this doesn't you know home world championships doesn't come along very often we're very lucky in britain that there's going to be you know two in in less than 10 years but but for most countries this really doesn't happen very often so you've just got to be excited about it yeah exactly yeah i remember telling myself like before the relay uh, yeah okay this is a nice sunny sunday in uh, in calling nice city i see a <laughs> see a lot of uh, friends yeah, uh, yeah let's uh, let's see what will happen and and try to uh, when those uncomfortable f- 
thoughts and feelings are coming, which they for sure did. And you feel a bit uh, sick before the start. And as you always do, then trying to really grasp those uh, thoughts and feelings and and try to, okay, but this is, yeah, trying to, to put it down on a, on a level where you can, can be be in it in a comfortable way and yeah so that was uh that was cool and how how comfortable was it going out on that last leg in the relay in i was was (laughs) super chill (laughs) i was uh i uh, i had to do some extra uh, extra speed when i saw uh, jacob uh, passing through in uh, in third position and uh I was uh, super uncomfortable, but I I think I I laughed a bit when he when he changed over to me because it was uh, it was really a, a crazy moment and uh, yeah yeah something yeah, you, you can you can dream up but and try to pe- prepare for but it's it's hard to know uh, it's hard to to know what it feels like when you're in the moment yeah. Yeah, so you were you were handed over in third place, and then you know there's lots of other athletes following, you know, chasing you. You've got Norway, you've got Switzerland there. Um, tell us a little bit about your experience running that whole course, and 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 how it was for you um, in that town, and and whether you how you felt during your leg of the relay. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think I started saying to myself okay <laughs> now I try to uh, to focus and don't uh, don't blow this up <laughs> um and uh, I was was crazy running out this uh, to the starting point with the with so many people and and really try to I think it was maybe 50 meters before I actually had a plan to the first control because like looking at the map and try okay plan and the focus was yeah all over the place but but i i think i allowed myself to to run until this uh, church uh, thing and then when the people were behind me i okay now you're playing because before that there was no no quality in the map reading um so running those nerves out the first first few meters and then and then try to focus and then i remember feeling uh like a little shaky or i was like trying to remind myself uh okay what what is it that i should do now okay <laughs> make a plan execute it and and uh and uh, try to to balance the being present and and what i want to see in front of me um i think my start was was very careful like too careful uh taking really my time on the route choices and and it was quite straightforward in the beginning and i think i I uh, didn't allow allow the the instinct uh, as much as I would have wanted to just take a decision, go trust it. I was really okay. Is there any uh, any uh, like closed stuff here or things I should avoid or where where are all are all the 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 tricky things? And I think we had prepared so much that it should be super difficult. So I was almost scared that I would. Oversee something, yeah. mm. so I think the first five minutes got too too careful. Um, didn't didn't really go this like instinct, just going and and uh, pushing. Um, but then I I realized okay I 
I've done this before. I know how to do this. And then, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but then I was surprised that Andrine and Elena was up so quickly. Uh, and when they were there, I think I managed to get into this zone that I'd like to be in where you, the decision making is much, much more intuitive and you, you trust it and you, you go hard on your solutions and, and fully focused in the execution. Um, so uh, from that from that moment, I don't remember which control it was, maybe five, fifth uh, control or something. Um, then then we were this pack with the uh, yeah four or five runners I think and I think we had we had high speed and and yeah crazy uh, passage on the arena which came quite early mm. uh, and then this uh, this very long leg after where we we went quite differently and um, I I think I took a good decision here uh, going a bit my own uh, when me and Elena split it up and I. I think this this choice um, made me stay stay in the fight at least uh, but they were running so hard and uh, I could feel it was uh, uh, I I was in the I was uh, the one being more under pressure I think uh, physically <laughs> but I um yeah then we when I when I look back and and I when I looked at the map after and this is one of those things <laughs> that haunts you a bit as we talked about before, like a decision. You, you I I keep I keep having these uh, scenarios where ah, if if I had done this and maybe there would have been a chance that something and <laughs> and uh, I think the choice to the second or third last control where you could do something shorter but we all just running so hard following each other hoping mm-hmm. to have the the fastest uh, sprint and Rina she had quite a gap there already but but me and Elena um like those scenarios where you maybe could have done something and maybe could have uh, like thinking oh if I'd been more aggressive in the beginning maybe it would have been longer before they caught me maybe they would have been stressed not seeing me and stuff like this but when you're in the situation you you do your you follow your your instincts and i think they they were also stronger than me both of them uh, physically uh, me and elena we had a, a very nice <laughs> sprint and i <laughs> i uh, i thought her i had her in the stairs but she was uh, she was fast in the flat so um yeah when i when i talked to her after she 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 told me that uh, ah she was she was close to saying, okay, it will be, be fifth for, for us. But then she realized, ah, maybe there will be disqualification. So she wanted, she really wanted this fourth position. And, uh, and then, then, um, yeah, it was a, it was a cool relay and, uh, yeah, cool, cool team. I think with Salt Rise, we, we got our potential. We, we got a bit lucky that, uh, there was these uh, three, four teams that they uh, missed up quite bad on the second leg, and mm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, my brother Søren, he had been, uh, he had had a, a very nasty stomach infection early on, so he was not at his his physical level. So for him, it was a was a good good luck <laughs> that mm. uh, that this mistake was la- made on the the second leg that made us stay in the relay. Um, yeah. 
but uh, I was a was a cool day. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I mean it was still a very solid team performance, and you know the whole team played their part. That sprint finish was very exciting, and I think ultimately the Danish team you were really happy with that top six podium yeah. result. You know that's something that presumably maybe maybe you were thinking beforehand you wanted to be top six in in the, exactly in yeah. that sprint relay. So that's it's always great to start off uh, championships yeah. with, a, with a good result. <laughs> I think like that. And the atmosphere yeah. and the noise must have been amazing as you were on that sprint finish. Yeah, I think it was the craziest thing I've experienced in uh, in orienteering for sure. It was uh, really this uh, wave of energy just hitting you when you started and passed through and, and the finish. It was uh, ah, it still give, gives me goosebumps. So uh, <laughs> it was a great experience. <laughs> oh, amazing. And, mm-hmm. and then... Then for you, it was the knockout sprint, right? Was your your yeah. other your individual competition? Looks like you made it. So you made it into the quarterfinals. What was that day like for you? Tell us a little bit about your races on that day. Yeah, I think um, the knockout day was. Uh, I felt super prepared for it. We have had a, we had had a lot of uh, full knockout days on our camps, um, competing with the with the Swiss and the Swedish and the. Ukrainian team um, so we really had some super good quality knockout sessions and uh, was prepared for this crazy marathon day that that it is uh, so um, like I, I feel prepared and and uh, started the day uh, with this qualification where I felt um, I felt really strange and I think it was this uh, contrast to how the relay had been i um i felt really uh, it felt super difficult to be um extremely excited for the qualification both with the qu- contrast for the other day but also because i knew that i had to i had to save mental energy for what was happening in the afternoon so i think this uh yeah mental energy expenditure you have to be uh, really uh, careful with that on a knockout day and i i found found it super hard to to uh, it it feels weird because i think normally in qualifications uh, i'm really motivated about it and and um, like in the middle distances and stuff but it it felt strange and i think it was also the contrast to the to the knockout day or the relay day. Um, Well, I guess in the middle distance, often you have a day apart, you know, that you can rest and you can recover and then you can get back for the final, hopefully. And then this, you've got to pace yourself, right? You know that hopefully you're going to be getting all the way through the rounds and you you want to get hyped because that's how you normally feel like you have to do a race. And then this point you're like, well, I can't because I need that for, you've got to, it's got to build up somehow, I guess. Exactly. Not not uh, burn it all uh, too early, and uh, and uh, you wanna go through with a, as little effort as possible, especially when uh, a day like this is uh, waiting for you. Um, but I think I I managed. I had a good talk with the the coach too before, and uh, I managed to get into a, a good and and uh, focused zone, and I was. Uh, super keen on the qualification uh, race when I started um, and I think I I think I went too hard <laughs> <laughs> I uh, 
I made a big mistake on a super short leg, uh, overseeing some um, construction uh, tape. I thought it went through. I had to go around, and I I lost a lot of time on this. And I, yeah, I was counting the seconds in my head, and I knew it would be a super close. Uh, so from from this, it was quite early in the course, so I I had to go super hard from there. <laughs> uh, so that was not how I planned to uh, to like going over full effort to to try to make sure to make the cut um so after this control i i had a really good race uh, and i was last man in in the qualification which mm. i hadn't planned to be it was uh, <laughs> it was it was super super nervous uh, that 20 minutes uh, then i was um yeah this time the luck was on my side there was an a disqualification uh, for a, a runner who would have been quite clear through with a a good race uh, so uh, that was was my luck that day um and then i i tried to really reset for the for the afternoon mm. yeah do you think that but though having to race really hard in the qualification did that did that make you a bit tired for the quarterfinal no i don't think so uh, i think i'm i was in super good shape and i I'm used to running uh, hard a lot, uh, and um, and and I think a good volume. So I I felt in good physical shape for for managing a a tough uh, tough one in the morning too. Yeah. So how was your how was your quarterfinal then? Yeah, the the quarterfinal was uh, was super cool. It uh, it's it's so weird when you start and you know it will be these uh, six eight minutes so intense and uh, it's uh, and then it's over like um, so it was it was uh, I think I had a lot of expectations to the knockout too with this uh, area in Falresia. Uh it uh, we thought it would be a, a super technical one and I yeah the quarter final was was cool we started off. Uh, Fast, of course. I was with uh, Teresa, Simona, and uh, Victoria, and we quite and uh, oh, now I don't remember. We we got quite a, a gap in the beginning, the four of us, and uh, and uh, and and stayed together. And then we, I think we, as the quarter and the semi was, we took mostly the same route choices uh, all the time. No one really dared to leave the pack and. But then we came to the to the um, fortress area and we split it up. Uh, me and Simona got a gap there and we we kept it. And uh, ah, I when I when I saw the video after, I um, I uh, I get so <laughs> so annoyed with myself. I I get annoyed even now <laughs> because <laughs> like <a> story <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you know. But uh, I think I I come to peace with the 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 knockout premise that. You you have to to make the right decision in the right moments, and there's there's not room for so much stuff. Uh, but on the on the second last control, I um, I'm in the or towards the second last control, I'm me and Simona has a gap, and I I I look at the map more than I, but I should have just followed her <laughs> back, uh, and I I miss a, a sharp a sharp turn, and I go into a, a little corner and had to return, and then. That's um, it. Teresa, yeah. yeah, that's it. Teresa gets in front of me. Victoria just back, and then to the second last control, I take the inner corner, 
almost stop to punch the control and the three girls they just uh, pass and then uh, another crazy sprint and another another lost <laughs> sprint finish <laughs> so and then you're out but uh, ah yeah i think it's that's the the thing you have to accept with knockout that it goes so fast and you just have to be there and and you have to to make a lot of right moves you have to play your cards right and uh, i think the more you do it the the better you become at at acting intuitively right <laughs> obviously you said that um you learn more by doing more knockouts how many had you done before what um we did the one in uh in denmark uh the autumn before and then we have done some on, on our camps like the four yeah four years before that like maybe once or twice a year just on the camps with the danish team team we had one in the in october uh with this uh, official camp and competitions uh i was in uh, in crazy bad uh, after covid shape so i didn't go so far <laughs> didn't gain so much experience mm-hmm. um but then we had a lot in the spring uh with the um, we had one one per camp uh i think uh and then we had a f- we had maybe yeah so maybe five or six so mm-hmm. i doesn't sound like a lot but it feels like a lot i think yeah. and uh, and the world cup as well i guess yeah exactly yeah uh but they didn't go far either so <laughs> so um no one on this call went fast that's fine we'll forget that one <laughs> <laughs> No one, no one just judges. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, but I think, um, I think just on one session, you you learn so much, uh, and you. The cool thing about the the training knockouts is that you can adjust between each heat. I I was a bit too aggressive here, or I followed too much here, or I did too much my own stuff here, or is it forked or is it uh, not forked and and you could really implement those uh, things super fast uh, how you wanted to change the the strategy of of how you run but then i think the the stuff that you don't prepare for on those sessions are the fact that it has consequences if you don't perform because on on sessions yeah. you you know you'll run all all three heats so you you uh, you you run in a different way and i i think uh this trainings with where there's consequences uh we had some sort of point systems and you could you could end in an a final but everyone everyone could run everything and of course you you reign to win but like really being consequences that okay you're out if you're not top three and you're out if you're not top two and you uh yeah that i think that's uh, that dimension is um is is different and i think also on on the world champs uh you saw that when it was a when it was situation where it was everything to lose like in the corner and the semi uh, people played it more safe they followed a lot but when there's actually something to win Mm. you maybe you you dare to or you want to try more uh not not just trying to be safe but daring to to go for winning and i i think this is uh something that is super hard to to uh to train when there's uh, not consequences or you you have to make the, those consequences yourself <laughs> mm. yeah yeah 
That's really interesting. I haven't heard anyone say that before. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good way of putting it. I don't know. I don't know how you train for that. Obviously, independently of it, maybe you just no dinner after training if you. Yeah. No. No way. No. Or more of a reward-based system. If you do well, then you get something. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Punishment basis. I want to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit more about how the like the Danish team set up. You know, you say you were going on camps. You know, we've seen the Danish team based in Aarhus. Most of the national team runners there. You live in Gothenburg, though, right? So, um, how does your training work? How do you, um, you know, fit in with with the, what the national team does? And how much of your training is with the national team? How much is just you individually or with your club? Yeah, specifically for the World Champs or like in a, on a daily Just in, basis? In, in uh, general, yeah. In general, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, actually now, uh, like half of the, the Danish team lives in Gothenburg. Uh, <laughs> it hasn't always been like this. Uh, so I'm super happy about that. Um, and, and the other half is uh, is living in Aarhus. Um, so it's I think it's a really cool uh, way now that... We have both environments and, and we have a different ways of, of training. And when we come on camps, it's it's super good energy, uh, even if we see each other all the time, uh, both of us uh, or both of the groups. Um, so in, uh, in Gothenburg, um, a lot of our training is uh, with EFCO and, um, and with each other. I think we're quite good at uh, coordinating uh, the trainings together uh, on a daily basis, uh, both the Danish and uh, and together with the club. Um, while in Aarhus, uh, there is this elite center, and uh, the national team coaches are responsible for this. So it's another structure and not an, uh, another kind of offers. And um, uh, but I I think I thrive very much in uh, in this. Uh, maybe a bit more uh, free uh, frames or how do you how do you say uh, where I uh, yeah doing the the planning and the daily uh, weekly weekly schedule uh, quite much myself um, I, I train a lot alone too uh, but I, I try to take advantage of living in an environment with uh, so many strong runners uh, yeah it's uh, it's nice yeah, I can see like both setups working for different kinds of people, you know, either being in Aarhus where, where a lot of your training is, is kind of you do this and you do this and it's a lot organized for you and there's lots of the runners together, but also other people will really like the freedom to be able to be more in control of what they want to do. And they, you know, if they're doing it well, then why shouldn't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I, I like it. Uh like having a lot of uh, initiative uh, for my planning and uh, I like to think about what I would like to <laughs> to train and uh, how it would fit in a yeah for what I want to become better at and in this uh, development uh, so I, I like doing that and uh, and then I think it's a uh, it's super good organization on our camps uh, with a lot of uh, yeah super high quality on the trainings and and um so I think I, I really get the best of, of both worlds and, and how I'd like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds ideal. And um, I mean, we're oh, speaking of the wider Danish team, you know, we are so used to maybe like 
five years ago went through a really strong team of Danish women, you know, Maya Alm, Emma Klingenberg, Ida Bobak. For a while for me in commentary, like I've been describing the Danish team as as much more of a developing team. Like you had that generation that moved on. You've got a lot of kind of younger athletes developing and learning and stuff. Do you feel like, you know, you are still a little bit following in in the footsteps of such such really strong uh, women in the Danish team or you're kind of trying to do your own thing as well? Yeah, for sure. We, we, uh, we follow in the, in the footsteps and it's, uh, it's big shoes to fill out, uh, for, uh, for Ida, Emma and, uh, and Maya, um, which have had, uh, amazing success. Uh, but I think, um, also the, the team and the structure around the team, uh, had, have changed a lot, um, uh, since, uh, two, three years ago. Um, so I think, and I, it's a completely different team now as you say quite young I don't know if I fall in that category anymore but uh, <laughs> it's a it's a young team and uh, it's a really big team um, which it haven't been for uh, 10-15 years we're like uh, 14 girls we were 12 girls at the European champs and to me that's uh, super exciting that we are so many and and I think um I hope it will become a strength. Uh, I think before it was quite easy to qualify for championships. Uh, um, or you, you always, for me at least the first few years, you feel quite sure already in the spring which distances you would probably get selected for. And I think these last two years, you really had to earn your spot. And um, because we're quite even uh, level, no one really sticking out a lot. Uh, so that's been been super cool. And I, th- I hope that will uh, improve all of us to, to try and fill out those, uh, those big, uh, big shoes uh, from our uh, ancestors. Or how would you say? <laughs> yeah. well, they're, they're not that old, are they? <laughs> ah, they're <laughs> pretty old. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dinosaurs. <laughs> I guess it, you know, I guess it shows you that, you know, it can be done and that people from Denmark can, you know, perform at that and, and still inspire you to do well whilst knowing that you've got, lot, you know, a big team that's pushing everyone else to, to see see where you can go with everything like, as well. Yeah, exactly. They are they are still a super big inspiration at the, and it's like seeing uh, Ida Bubak uh, this weekend at the Danish Champs, for example, it's it's uh, she's she's still my uh, my idol, uh, <laughs> even if it's been uh, even if it's been four years ago she uh, since she stopped, and uh, they are for sure a big inspiration. But I think that the way uh, our team is now and the structure will uh, will hopefully be able to create something uh, something uh, big in the future, hopefully a close future too. <laughs> Well, yeah. yes, and your and your future, you know, it's it's very shortly before the the World Cup final. Going back to to Switzerland for the World Cup final, of course, we had the European champs as well. It looked like it was so top twenty result for you in the long distance. You've got a eleventh place in the long distance from the World Champs twenty twenty one in the Czech Republic. So you must be very very excited to be heading towards you know properly back into the forest and back to these these tough long distances that I'm sure we're really going to see in Switzerland as well yeah I'm super excited I think it'll be uh, so much fun and I I really look forward for this next year I uh, 
preparation. Um, going to Switzerland tomorrow, uh, stay there for a month. So the preparation will start already now. And and I think the World Cup will be super fun. I, I really look forward for for the for this round. Uh, I think it will be amazing. Yeah, we've yeah. seen a lot of people running. We had Swiss um, long distance championships at the weekend. We've seen a lot of other kind of test races or selection races. I know some of the the Swedes were out there as well, getting used to the terrain. What do you, obviously, very hilly, lots of route choices that we're used to seeing in uh, in Swiss terrain. What do you think you are going to be doing in your, your training towards building for that for next year, for the World Champs next year? I think uh, physically it will be uh, uh, trying to train these uh, super long uphills. It's uh, it's really difficult to find other places than uh, than down there. Mm. Um, but these long uphills where you just go and you have uh, lactate up to your ears and you are, and then you get to the flats and you need to to start running again <laughs> and and build up some speed. So I think this adaptation to to tolerate a lot of lactate and then being able to 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 develop some speed again, um, keeping high pressure all the way on a long distance and and uh, I think the downhill running will be super super decisive. Uh, the Swiss are crazy at running downhills and, and quite often you, you lose more town, time uh, running downhill than, than going up. So I think this will be a, a physical parameter you, you have to train. And then uh, technically it will be quite different challenges, the, the middle and the long. Uh, so it will be um, preparing both for this uh, super, super tricky, lots of details, lot of lots of contours and yeah, a lot of things happening on the map for the middle and then uh, for the long, uh, yeah, really practicing these uh, long, long loop, loop uh, route choices and, and being good and efficient in uh, the execution. And uh, and then hillside controls are always tricky. So uh, there's lots of work to do. <laughs> it's good to still, uh, still a year. <laughs> yeah, but, but I think people, fun. you know, yourself, you'll go, you know, you're going to Switzerland tomorrow. Other members of other teams, like you can tell that the build up to that World Championships starts now or has already started. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a... Uh, it's uh, nice to know that there's still some time, but uh, you know, suddenly it's uh, January and then it's not very far away. And uh, <laughs> but I think it's important not to to rush it. And I think it will be super enjoyable. And like in the beginning of when you start to prepare for the next championship, you have so many ideas and so many things you want to work on, and you you feel super inspired, especially after the first time you're there. And so it's about yeah, collecting those ideas and trying to work on what makes most sense now and yeah be patient and uh, hopefully it will be a good good outcome yeah yeah well as you saw me you said you like the long distance the most i'm sure you're you sound super excited to be able to get there and yeah hope your hope your winter and everything goes well and that we're looking at some great results um by the time we get to the world champs next year good luck i'm sure it's gonna go well in the sounds of it <laughs> thank you very much good pressure now. good pressure so thank you so much to Miri for chatting to us. Um, it's been nice to kind of hear from a, an international runner, their perspective and 
especially the perspective of running on a home world championship. So we wish Miri all the best going into the forest season, into this World Cup uh, very, very shortly. And then, of course, into next season as well as the focus switches again towards kind of the forest and things. But it, it feels like it's a bit of a, in terms of the international orienteering, a bit of a, a quiet moment in the calendar right now. I guess a lot of people are, are building up for that World Cup final and then really mm. going to be switching, will there... Um, their mindsets and everything towards next season already, even though it's still September. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the training camps are beginning in earnest. It's, it's kind of a weird one as well at the moment because obviously the last few years, the, the you've not been able to go, or certainly we as Brits haven't been able to go on training camps to any countries. Mm. So the fact that people can now go on them, it, it still sounds a little bit alien in my head. Of um, <laughs> Mary says in the interview, we're just going to Swi Switzerland for a month to do the training camps. Like, oh. Yeah, yeah like great. The world is the world yeah. is back to the world is back to normal now. <laughs> but also, I mean, a lot of the um, British team can't do that. You know, they have full time jobs or or, well, or almost full time jobs, and you know they don't have the means to be able to go out and do that. It's a, a yeah, fantastic luxury my, to have. Don't tell my job. I was in Zermatt for a week and a half. Um, <laughs> no, they did not. I joke. Uh, but. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's a nice position to be in to be able to go out for a month and just train in yeah. a certain um, location. I think if you would, you could. We obviously we have Brexit impacting that as well, and a certain number of days you can use per year in the in the Schengen zone. Um, so that impacts things as well. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's it's a weird kind of. I, I always think World Cups at the end of the year are a bit strange anyway, because you kind of you've had such a long summer of competing mm. in spring and things as well. You get to the end of the season because Britain doesn't traditionally have a an autumn orienteering season. They've got you know the senior home international competitions or junior home internationals, um, and our end of end of season club league competitions in the Cumber Sport Cup. But there's not really we never usually hold championships like the Swedes do and the, yeah. the rest of Scandinavians do in the autumn. So it always feels a strange one to be building up for. Um, and especially because you can't, you can't really get good orienteering in the forest at this time of year because they're just full because of crap. the vegetation crap. is too high, yeah. And the vegetation is terrible. Uh -huh. um, so, but, but it's going to be a very good competition because the terrain is magnificent and is really cool glacial features. So I'm sure we'll do a preview of it on the next podcast. Yeah. Um, and as Miri said in the interview, just hardcore... Um, climbing uh, uphill climbing a lot yeah. of descending so it should suit the Brits quite well because uh, in terms of mountain running fell racing mm -hmm. all that kind of thing but most of our athletes bodies should be conditioned to that kind of performance um, but we'll see if we can get the orienteering right but we'll, we'll go into that on the next podcast we, we will indeed and speaking of that and we will be back hopefully in a couple of weeks time so we will chat to you then bye <laughs>